The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. This podcast is sponsored by Fiverr.com. Fiverr is a marketplace for creative and digital freelance services. And in fact, I use Fiverr for quite a lot of the things that we do here at Cognolytica and AI Today, including the editing of this podcast, the generation of transcripts, and more. I definitely encourage you to take a look at using Fiverr for your creative and digital needs today. And I have a special offer for you today. Use the promo code AI Today for 15% off your first purchase on Fiverr.com. Offer valid until December 31st, 2018. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. We spend a lot of time talking about bots. And that makes sense, because when you think about artificial intelligence, tend to think about bots. But there are actually lots of different kinds of bots. There's the physical robots that are mechanical, and there's the chatbots that we spent some time talking about in our previous podcast on chatbots. But there's another kind of bot that's already with us today. They're occupying our businesses. They're operating in the thousands, maybe the millions. They're everywhere. No, it's not an alien life form. It's software bots that are busy executing many of the tasks that people used to do in their offices. And we're talking about, of course, automated software bots. Cognolytica recently published a report on the segment of the AI market that we're calling intelligent process automation, a market that we're forecasting to grow from about 800 million in this past year to over 8.3 billion by 2023. So we're going to share with you what we've learned and where we see things going. So what are these software bots even doing? These software automation tools repeat and execute certain human tasks. So you tell them what you want them to do, and then they do whatever you tell them. But this needs to be within the confines of a computer and its software. So this is different than a factory robot, because while factory robots do replace human tasks as well, these automation bots replace tasks on a computer, not an assembly line. And these bots are not chatbots because they do not have conversations with you. Software automation has been around for a long time, automating much of what is happening in the office, mostly around the mundane but necessary tasks. So these automation tools replace certain tasks. And without these bots or programmatic ways to connect systems, humans integrate with so-called swivel chair integration. And you can imagine what that is. So you go from one system to the next and then back and back and back all day long. So this is to say that somebody has to manually copy and paste all this information from one system to another, making these changes to the data as necessary. Companies can also hire temporary workers or human virtual assistants to do some of these tasks that could be researched online and then you re-enter the data in a manipulated form into a spreadsheet or something similar. As you can imagine, this approach is often error-prone, inefficient, high cost, and it suffers like any task that is human-dependent. 
So you might be thinking, well, why can't we just get these systems that we're moving data from or extracting data from? Why can't we do this stuff automatically with programming interfaces, so-called APIs, application programming interfaces? Well, certainly you can do some of this stuff with an API, but APIs are meant for developers. They're software access points to systems that need to be programmed. And it's developers that have to work with these APIs, not your ordinary non-technical business person. And also these APIs are meant to only do the things that the systems want to to expose and allow you to do those things. They can't do everything. So if you're trying to get information from some system and there's no API to do it, then you can't do it, right? Even if you can do it on the website or in the app, if the API won't let you do it, you can't do it. And furthermore, there are security issues with APIs. APIs are kind of like backdoors to the systems. And so it requires very specific security. They're not open for anybody and everybody to get access to them. So Really, business people want to automate business tasks, you know, not really developers automating developer tasks. So we've had all these previous approaches to integration and service-oriented architecture and integration middleware, but those things are really about getting the enterprise systems to talk to their own systems and internal system-to-system communication. These architectural approaches are not really meant to be working with any arbitrary website or arbitrary system out there. And even in large enterprises, it's hard enough to get the systems to talk to each other. Think about a bank. Banks are constantly acquiring other banks. And every time they acquire a bank, they're inheriting hundreds of other systems. So simply trying to program our way out of this is not the uh, right approach. So a little over a decade ago, there was a big advancement in this space, and it was called Robotic Process Automation, or RPA. So the key elements of RPA include replacing the cutting and pasting of information from one place to another, automating the entry of information, and then speeding up and making these tasks more accurate. So this is great. So basically the tasks that we had talked about above where you're hiring a virtual assistant or a temporary worker or swivel chair integration, this is helping to eliminate the need for humans to do that. But how does RPA work? Well, an RPA system will record a human performing a computer task entering the information, clicking, etc. And this needs to be done with a mouse and a keyboard. The system will then record this as a bot activity. So ordinary business users can then run the bot, replacing specific information with other information from a spreadsheet, a database, or any other data source. And now there are thousands of bot out there running every day, moving information back and forth. So as you can imagine, this is saving businesses and humans a ton of time and making things more accurate, more efficient. They don't need to be doing these mundane tasks anymore. So what are companies doing with these bots? You know, these bots, as Kathleen mentioned, are literally shaving thousands of person hours of work in companies. So here's what they're doing. They are submitting information to multiple locations, especially when needed for compliance. You know, this may be taking information submitted from a form and then in turn submitting that information to another system or uploading it to some government site or depositing it somewhere or just documenting it. They are kicking off processes whenever something happens in the enterprise. So perhaps whenever somebody enters something into a sales or a contact management system, the system may then in turn enter it somewhere else or maybe goes to a supplier site or a competitor site. Whenever some information is uploaded there, maybe it downloads it to the system and maybe scraping information from website. This is how a lot of real estate and hospitality and travel sites work. Whenever a new real estate listing is showing up, magically within a couple of hours, it shows up on all these other aggregated real estate sites. You probably know what I'm talking about. Same things happen in the travel industry. Small hotel lists something on its site. All of a sudden, 
and you price information for a room, how do you think all these site systems work? Well, you know, they're not all programmatically integrated. They're using software bots to go out there and scrape these hotel sites and post the new information. Same thing's happening with uh, highly regulated industries like in finance and healthcare. Every time some process happens, somebody needs to enter some data somewhere rather than having some poor schmo do it that you've hired to like enter thousands of bits of information. These bots are doing it. And then, of course, you also have a lot of bad bots. Anytime you can automate a task that can be done for good, you can also automate tasks that are not done for good. So, you know, there's been a lot of news recently about bots doing things on social networks, disrupting uh, all sorts of interactions. You know, you can have bots breaking into systems and, you know, perhaps stealing information or posting bad information. This is why now when you fill out a lot of forms, there's like a little checkbox that asks you, are you a bot? This is exactly the kind of bot it's trying to defeat, these RPA bots. And of course, you have bots that are spamming or posting content or otherwise being malicious. So these are the bad things. We're not going to focus on the bad things. We just want to point out that these RPA tools are just meant to automate things that humans can do. So they're not particularly smart, but they're definitely automated. And while these RPA bots can do a lot of great things for businesses, they're not really intelligent. So they get stuck when judgment is needed on what, how, and when to use certain information in certain contexts. Because if you didn't tell it exactly how to do it, then it doesn't know. They can adapt to new scenarios. So you have to keep configuring these new bots whenever things change, say that a form, there's a new field or one of the fields moved, then you need to constantly be changing the RPA. These bots also cannot adapt to changes in an application or website structure. And these bots cannot figure out what to do if they're missing information or if they have bad information. So what could these bots do if they have intelligence of humans? Wow. Systems that leverage machine learning to dynamically adapt to new information and data will shift these systems from mere robots that automate processes to actual intelligent process automation or IPA tools. And this can significantly impact the face of the knowledge worker economy. McKinsey Consulting puts it, in essence, IPA takes the robot out of the human. Right. So in our intelligent process automation report, which we've recently published, we talk about the fact that IPA combines the flexibility and configurability of traditional RPA tools with the intelligence of machine learning. But it turns out this can happen at multiple different levels. At the lowest level, what we're calling level zero, which is sort of enhanced RPA, it's not really intelligent. But what it's doing is it's improving the way that functions are recorded on the screen, maybe being a little smarter about guiding the user about how the process should be done and asking if, like, is this field something that's the same? Is this going to change? And providing a little bit of flow, maybe some more complicated rule set, maybe a few more complicated user interactions around swiping or clicking, maybe slowing things down when it's submitting information so that it can defeat systems that may anticipate that there's a bot there. That's the lowest level, level zero of enhanced RPA. The first real level of AI-enabled process automation, intelligent process information, is what we call language and context-aware bots. So they can use natural language processing to actually understand what's happening on the system. It can read the text. It can listen to the voice. It can use then all the natural language processing stuff we've developed with chatbots to understand what's happening. So these virtual assistants can then help with process development. It can fix data. It can validate data. It can deal with unstructured data. Somebody just posting something on a website, it can know what 
that is. That's level one. Level two, so the next level above that, is we call intelligent process awareness. And that is, it can know what you're trying to do. It's like, oh, well, if the human is trying to get this information, maybe the bot can say, hey, wait a second, I've already, there's another bot out there that's doing something similar on some other site. Can the bots exchange information among each other? It can anticipate and mitigate process flow exceptions. It could say, okay, well, I know that at three o'clock, this website gets really slow or something happens, you know, maybe the information changes once a day at 9.05. So maybe instead of running this thing at like three o'clock and nothing's changed, maybe I don't execute it. Then I just know what the flow is going to be like. It can find and fix missing and correct data. Maybe it says, oh, I, this information is available on this website. I already know that. I'm going to go out and get that information. It can also automatically detect the process and it can start documenting stuff. This is what we call intelligent process awareness. It's not just aware of what's happening on the site or system. It knows what the process is trying to do. And then there's the what we think of as like the, the highest level of intelligence for process and we call autonomous process optimization, where the system can actually suggest and make modifications to the process itself to improve overall flow. It can learn from itself to figure out better ways to handle the process flow. And it can automatically orchestrate multiple bots to help optimize the process. Now the system is intelligent and autonomous. So what are some of these use cases for IPA? While we were doing research for this podcast and the report, one of the interesting things that we found is that IPA has broad applicability to different industries and use cases. So we found that the best use cases and applications of IPA tools are the processes that are repeated frequently and require interaction with multiple systems or if they are intensive data manipulation. So some of these use cases can include transferring and transforming data between different systems. These are systems that may be more complicated to extract data from or data that's never in the same format. So one IPA company cites an example from the insurance industry where they have reduced a two-day process to handle hundreds of premium advice notices down to only 30 minutes. So that is a tremendous time save. Their intelligent process automation solution would take the information from multiple sources, aggregate it, and fix any missing or erroneous data, and then place the resulting information into a data store. Mm -hmm. Another use case that we're seeing with intelligence process automation tool is aggregating and collecting information from multiple applications or online sites where the sites are using human or what's called user-generated content, where, of course, every human does it in a completely different way. So you need to be able to understand the page. So this could be, you know, sites like Craigslist, where you have, uh, you know, real estate listings or jobs or whatever that people are posting. An IPA tool can log into the site and it could really understand all the various contacts and put that information in data source. Oh, of course, there's all also being used in price comparison bots, where you can go to multiple different sites, find the same product online, and put that now into a more structured data source like a spreadsheet or a database and to truly understand that. So we're starting to see IPA tools making a big impact here. Another example of where they can be used is documentation for auditing or compliance purposes. So with insurance, the IPA could look at photos of an accident and be able to extract information such as the part of the car that has the damage. They're also used in standardization of processes across different employees and business units. And then there's other examples in customer service where an IPA system is handling everything from returned merchandise automizations to inbound customer support requests. And that can be really big. You know, I mean, if you go into a Gap or Banana Republic, you might not get that. But 
you know, warehouses like Amazon or Wayfair, where you're actually returning a product, that can have a major impact. And then other applications and examples for IPA in production are in healthcare, manufacturing, telecommunications, hospitality, finance, automotive, and even service-intensive businesses like legal and accounting. Many customers indicate that autonomous process automation systems have replaced work for an average three workers and provided a positive ROI within months. So as you can imagine, if you're a business owner and you're having a lot of employees do tasks that are absolutely necessary and you're paying them to do them and you're looking at them and you're wishing that these things could be automated, the technology is basically here at this point to do that, right? And certainly we're not suggesting and nobody in the industry is suggesting massive layoffs or letting people go because we have boss to replace them. In fact, in a lot of places where we've seen IPA tools be put into place, they're simply taking the tasks that are so-called not wastes of time, but the stuff that's just bogging the employee down five or six hours of the day, you know, maybe generating a transcript of a podcast or something like that and automating that you know, so that the human can basically do more valuable tasks to the organization like research and talking to customers, right? So we see this market for IPA tools really growing very rapidly. You know, the RPA tool business has been very successful. There are a lot of now becoming larger and larger companies making hundreds of millions of dollars and growing larger. So we see the IPA tool market specifically, which is a subset of this whole bot automation technology, going from about $800 million in combined professional services and product sales together in 2017 to over $8.3 billion by the year 2023. It's a little over five, six years from now and combined professional services and product sales, whether it's you know licenses or online subscriptions. And we may actually be underestimating this market. I think once certain industries get hooked on the ability for bots to do certain tasks, just the nature of competition will be that they will want to compete with each other and they will all quickly implement those same sort of bots. So we see this market really growing and we may be underestimating the total size. Yeah. So as you can imagine, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on this because we see a lot of potential in this market. And we've been following and writing about a bunch of companies in this space as well. In particular, we've produced a few briefing notes that talk about each particular vendor's offerings in the space and their sweet spot. So if you're building technology in this space and want to be included in any upcoming research that we're doing, or if you'd like to have a briefing with us, please reach out today. We've covered a bunch of vendors on this report, but by no means is this a comprehensive list. There is, however, a great overview and starting point for what's out there in our report. So I think a final word here on IPA. And if you've been following our research and listening to our podcast, you know that we generally classify a lot of these AI technologies into buckets. We talked about both augmented intelligence quite a bit in these past two podcasts. We've talked also about intelligent assistance, which we're going to talk about some more. And we see intelligent process automation fitting into the intelligent assistant bucket. Why? Well, because the purpose of these technologies is to replace a human activity with an intelligent version where it would basically be as if the human was executing that task. Whereas the goal with augmented intelligence is that the human is still at the end of the day doing the task. It's just they're doing the task better or maybe they're becoming a superhuman by doing the task. So we see this in the intelligent assistant portion of our coverage area. So in general, where are we? We think we're at the at the beginning of this. We think this is going to be an extremely hot market. We think that bots are everywhere now. Uh, we think they will be, continue to be everywhere. And I think really the point for us to talk about this now is that when people talk about bots, we want you to think, well, 
what kind of bot are we talking about? Are we talking about the bot that's vacuuming your floor or in the factory? That's one kind of bot. Are we talking about the bot that you're chatting with? That's another kind of bot. But of course, there's this third kind of bot, which is the software bot, the automated bot that's becoming more and more intelligent. And so I think that's giving you a couple of different things to think about. Listeners, as always, we'll post any articles or concepts discussed in the show notes. And you can find the IPA report on our site as well. It's available for our subscribing clients or for purchase for non-subscribers. You can also find briefing notes on the site with our coverage of the various vendors. Some are free for download and some are for subscribers only. We'll post links to all the reports and briefing notes on this podcast. As always, thank you for joining us and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright 2018 by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.